0: As a man, as a boy, as a male, you are biologically masculine. You have testosterone. Are we all at all different levels, right? All different IQs, all different personalities, but the bottom line is that what makes you a man is testosterone. This happens before you are born.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn to grow your faith and your critical thinking skills. Our goal for you is strength. We want you to know what you believe and why you believe it so that you can grow strong. Mm-hmm. This is why we can't tell you what to believe. We can only inspire, facilitate, and coach you along the journey of discovering, your inner convictions. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host and we cannot do the salty pastor podcast without the salty Pester himself,
0: Hello. Dr.
1: Douglas Peake.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much today. We're going to get doctory on you. Absolutely. Doctory. Oh yeah. We're going to emergency. Men. Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> nope. I'm not that kind of doctor. So it's just about men, what men are going through and some research and things, and so we're going to take you know, the relationship series that we're in right now. And we're going to hopefully give men a lot of tools, a lot of things to think about in order to prove their relationships.
1: Well, I love that. We are in our series on relationships. Last week, we studied how unresolved conflict is one of the Mm. biggest toxins that undermine all relationships. Uh, Friendships, dating relationships, marriages, business partnerships, parent-child relationships, all the relationships in your life can be undermined by this Um, toxic unresolved conflict, Mm -hmm. we found seven practical steps to resolving conflict in Paul's teachings to the Ephesians in chapter four. Mm -hmm. And then this week we've been revisiting those seven practical steps in resolving Conflict found in Ephesians four and how they specifically apply to men in particular. Mm. So what thoughts have you for us today, Dr. (laughs) Douglas P? Oh,
0: today it's all about fight club, you know, fight club. Are we fighting?
1: Yes, men. You're taking me on a tornado of, uh, different feelings today. All
0: kinds (laughs) of stuff. Fight club. It's all about fight. A man becomes a man when he discovers the battle that he must fight. And so I've always called this fight club for all men. When you take responsibility for yourself, you start to realize, wow, I'm in a battle and I need to fight to win. And one of the biggest areas you need to fight for is, uh, the health of your own soul, you know, the redemption of your soul. Mm. And, uh, because if you're not at peace with yourself, you can't be at peace with anyone else and men, your relationships are more important to you than you could ever imagine God created you in. His image and part of that image is relational. And so whether you know it or not, even though you might be interested more in things and people, Mm. your relationships are critical to the health of your soul. The first relationship that needs to heal your soul is the one with Jesus through redemption. What that does is that allows you to uh, restore the relationship with yourself. So you know who you really are as a man. And then of course that transforms all your relationships around you. Uh, this is really, really important. Uh, all research shows out there across the board that if you want to be successful in life, just in life in general, how, whatever markers you use, you have to have good, long-lasting relationships. Uh, get married and then stay married. Keep lifelong friends. You don't have to have thousands of friends or whatever, but you do need to have some friends and keep those Friends, if you can't keep friends, if you have zero friends, and you can't keep it, then there's something going on in your soul that you need to resolve. If you, all research says this, if you want to live longer, particularly if you're a 50 year old man or older, uh, invest in your marriage. If you're married, Uh, invest in your friendships. One of the things really fascinating is that there's a lot of guys who think. Man, I've been in like, I've lived in this one place for 25 years. I built a business. I'm ready to cash out and I'm going to go live in Belize or I want to go live here. And then they get up and they go down there and then their health starts to fail. Mm. And what they found is that what happens in your retirement, the thing that actually helps you be the healthiest is that you stay in your existing friend networks. So you have all these friends, you spend more time with them. You start doing more now find a weekender in Belize or, you know, uh, a two month or three month place to go, but maintain those friendships, your marriage, men who have been married a long time and stay married after they retire, live the longest. So what happens is you're in a fight for this to know this and to live this way, to reap the harvest of this in your own life, because the world in which you live is filled with distraction. It entices you for selfish ambition. It uses its own your own passions against you. It has busyness, just constantly inundating you. And all of these things undermine the notion that, wow, my friends are important and I need to keep them.
1: So men really need to fight for their souls and what's best for their souls as well. Why do they have to fight for it? Like, why doesn't this just come naturally? Why, why is it all have to be a struggle? Why does it have to be so hard?
0: Yeah. You know, some, some guys have said, why can't it be like my sex drive? You know, I went to puberty and it was there. It was there and it was going, (laughs) I didn't ask for it. It just happened. Why can't this be that way? Well, some might call it a conspiracy. Some might call it the spirit of this world, which is the devil. Uh, I'm not sure it really matters where it comes from, but I think it's absolutely a walk in the park Kazansky, to prove that the agenda among all the cultural elites in our society today is to eliminate men as men. Mm. Now, as a man, as a boy, as a male, you are biologically masculine you have testosterone are we all at all different levels right all different iqs all different personalities but the bottom line is that what makes you a man is testosterone this happens before you are born it happens in the very first stage of fetal development and that is is because when the egg is fertilized by the male there is an x and a y chromosome and that y chromosome tells the mom to flood that embryo with testosterone in the first stage of gestation. So, and then it happens again, right before you're born. And then it happens throughout your life. And the big, the biggest time where it really affects you is in puberty. Right. And that's really important to understand is that testosterone has some very specific impacts and influences you as a male. First and foremost, it will make you physically stronger than women. Now, when you're in the fourth grade and you're eight or nine years old, you and the girls are the same height. You weigh the same, you can run almost the same speed on the playground and play tag and stuff like that. But when puberty hits and your body is flooded with testosterone, you start filling out, you put on muscle mass and you are pound for pound stronger than females. As a, I mean, this is a general thing. So the other thing it does is it causes you to be more of a risk taker. So this is why girls, a lot of times, uh, are, you know, safe, but boys are doing crazy things. Let's jump off that cliff. Let's, you know, jump onto that train. Let's leap over this thing. How high can my bicycle flip and. You know what I'm saying? It's generally by 98% of the time, boys who are trying to figure out how to do all these crazy risk-taking things. Now it also does something else to you as a male. It makes you more assertive. It makes you more aggressive. And I mean this as opposed to being passive and passivity in males is often learned, okay. And it's learned in your family of origin and it's learned predominantly today through the public education system. We'll talk about that more later, but because you have testosterone as a male, you're more prone to being protective. You'll you want to protect. Uh, your things, you want to protect the people that you're close to, right? Right. Uh, testosterone causes you to think more categorically instead of thinking it all together. And once you tend to think more categorically, I can think and focus on this thing until I solve this problem. Then I can move on to the next one. It allows you to have greater 3d rendering in your own mind. You can see things in 3d and look at them from different perspectives. And so in essence, it makes you more interested in things than in people. So it's kind of a common thing now in order for, these are things that testosterone does to a male, right? Well, in order for the cultural elites position, that gender is a social contract, a construct, which we've talked about before under the Frankfurt School of social theory. It's a part of critical race theory in a different form. It's a real big part of the transgenderism debate. Uh, it's really this notion that there is zero difference between men and women as a gender, and they can go back and forth however they want to identify. So in order to do that, in order to prove and live and breathe gender as a social construct. You have to remove all of these differences that testosterone creates within males. You have to remove the notion that sex is bifurcated. You know, it's binary. There's a male and a female. You have to remove that. So because that is uh, so coordinated in our culture today, it's so powerful and it's so destructive beyond belief. This is why as a man, you have to fight for it because if you don't fight for it, you are going to lose your soul in the process. You'll never know who you are and who God created you to be. Now I'm not saying I'm not saying fight against these ideologies as a man, you need to fight for something, right? And what you need to fight for, let your fight be for yourself and your soul and the way your soul was intended to be.
1: So our audience members, um, tend to like proof and evidence. (laughs) Yes, they do. Um, and it's one of the hallmarks of our Salty Pastor experience. So, Give us some proof pastor of these things that you're claiming, because that's where the proof's in the pudding is a proof phrase is that in the pudding. Okay. I don't know where that came from, but it's a re- it's a thing that is said.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you this, uh, this is where I go all doctory on everyone. Okay. So, uh, here's some, here's some research that's been done and some different things I'm going to cover as much as I can based on the time we have. So, uh, who is noticing that this is going on and that this is a coordinator to effort among the elitists on our society. Well, the Concerned women for America, they wrote based on a research study. They wrote, despite the overwhelming evidence that boys ought to be allowed to be boys efforts to make little boys more feminine have become part of the national culture and accepted policy. So there's policy to feminize boy. Boys, formal efforts can be traced to the passage in 1994 of the Gender Equity in Education Act. This legislation poured many hundreds of millions of dollars into efforts to end so-called bias against girls. Sadly, the evidence of bias was based on a study uh, from the early 80s. It was soundly discredited only after it had been widely accepted as fact. And after having been made the headlines in major media, creating a massive policy response that continues today, in spite of its blatant falsehoods, the findings of that long ago flawed study are still part of all conventional wisdom. So what's happening is because Congress passed in 1994. The Gender Equity Education Act under the Clinton administration, this legislation is basically set the the thing it was funded by hundreds of millions of dollars and this is where all the curriculums in the public education system have adopted everything from their discipline policies to how to structure a classroom what the behavioral requirements for boys in classrooms educational requirements for boys in classrooms here here's another uh, research study out there and that is is that in our classrooms today Girls are thriving and boys are falling further and further behind. The biggest places where boys fall behind is in reading and writing. And so they're like, oh, okay. Well, that's just because girls are better at reading and writing. Well, it turns out that that's false. You see what has happened in our public education system is that they've adopted an ideology based on this gender equity education act, that the only kind of reading and writing we like are personal reflection. So uh, g- what they ask boys to do is say, well, how do you feel about this? And how does this impact you? And uh, what are your thoughts on this? So they're forcing boys to- Connect write, to their like feelings. Like girls, yeah. Right. And so what they found is that, okay, what if we take boys and we say, okay, tell me a story of how a pirate conquered the island. And th- those boys will sit down and they will read books about pirates and zombies and cars. And they'll write these incredibly long, comments complicated, complicated stories about how they went in and zombies took over and pirates pushed them back. I mean, and so they're like, wow, these boys are extremely expressive. So, so what has happened here? You see is there's underlying upstream value here. And that is, well, if boys and girls are exactly the same and we don't like the qualities of boys, then let's just force boys since they're all the same to act, think, Like girls, and I'm not saying this is to denigrate girls at all. I'm just saying to force boys to think that way, act that way, behave that way. We're going to get the outcome we want. Well, it doesn't work that way because you're fighting not only biology, but you're fighting the very design of our creator God. Now, Mm -hmm. maybe you're an atheist who listens to this. You don't buy into the God stuff. Okay. All right. I'll grant you that. That premise right now then how in the world under your secular ideology can you fight against the evolutionary biology that you believe in that dictates boys behave and act this way that's a rough one pastor you can't do it <laughs> so my point is it doesn't matter what your frame of reference is then the attempt to do this among our elites and remove maleness from males is absolute idiocy and it is just And this is why men have to fight. You not only need to fight for your own soul, but you need to fight for the brotherhood of men and particularly boys who are being destroyed by this. And I'm not under, I'm not overstating how bad this is. Uh, in 2018, okay. Just three years ago, the American Psychological Association. Now you need to understand something about the APA. The APA, uh, claims to represent all psychologists. The APA puts out all these research studies all the time, which is basically the Bible for every school counselor in every public education school system out there. This is what school counselors are taught. This is what they're trained in. And this is their Bible that they're supposed to use for all of their techniques and all of their, uh, processes and therapy and everything else. In 2018, they released a report and they sent it to all of the counselors and all the psychologists out there that said, and I quote, traditional masculinity is a sickness. That's the name of the study. Traditional masculinity is a sickness. And so uh, Erica Commissar who is a well-known, she's written a lot of books. She's a psychotherapist who lives in New York, has a very extensive practice. Uh, she wrote in the wall street journal, the APA guidelines demonize masculinity rather than embracing its positive aspects. The report encourages clinicians. So it tells clinicians, meaning school counselors, psychologists, child psychologists, all across the board to evaluate masculinity as an evil to be tamed. So this is probably in my opinion, why boys are four times more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD and then put on mind altering drugs.
1: So, I mean, the effort to change what it means to be a man yeah. is pretty overwhelming it these is. days. I mean, these are just a few things that you've referenced, but I'm sure you could fill, you know, yes. hours worth of this podcast with more studies. What is the effect on males when masculinity and all of its expressions are considered toxic by the majority of the culture?
0: Well, in 2018, after this came out, that article or that study and that, uh, guidance by the APA. Susan Venker wrote an article, uh, in, in her article, she did something interesting. She wrote an article about a, uh, a conversation between Camille Paglia, who is in her late seventies. Now she is a feminist icon. Uh, she's a lesbian an avowed lesbian. And she, uh, in the seventies and eighties, you know, was really at the forefront of feminism and she was having a a conversation on a podcast with Jordan Peterson. She was interviewing him. And what Susan Venker did is wrote an article about it. And her article is titled, it's not the men who are toxic. It's the women. Now I didn't write that, but that's what she says. She says, uh, in an interview, Jordan Peter stated, uh, uh, with Camille Paglia and she quotes him. He says, it seems to me that it isn't men who have to stand up and say enough of this, even though that is what they should do. It seems to me it's sane women who have to stand up against their crazy sisters and say, look, enough of that, enough of man hating, enough pathology, enough bringing disgrace on us as a gender. And then Jordan Peterson added this, I don't see any regulating force for that terrible femininity. And it seems to be invading the culture and undermining the masculine power of the culture in a way that I think is fatal. I really do believe that. So Susan Venker is pointing out that this is all coming from, uh, women who have a very radical ideology, who are pushing it in our culture and in media and all this kind of stuff. And uh i think that we see it and kids are raised on this today they're raised on it um there's a, now i'll even get personal here and that is uh my wife likes to every once in a while watch a few different shows started watching this show you know with uh, uh this gal named queen Latifah. Right? I know Queen Latifah. Yes. You know? Okay. Uh, cultural reference. You got yes, that. So on she's it. on this thing called the Equalizer, you know, and she goes out there and she's an ex, you know, this, I don't know, maybe a. Like an assassin or a, a spy. Military or something like, or that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Worked for CIA and now she's out there helping good people. Oh, I love that, you know, and I love. But one of the funny things that I always just crack up about that is she gets in fights with these, these guys. Now, if you're a woman who's been highly trained, you know, and something like that, and you're fighting a guy who is is untrained and doesn't know anything, you stand a really good chance. Yes. But if you're fighting other guys who've been trained, the truth of the matter is, and I don't mean to insult anybody, you don't stand a chance. You really don't. As a matter of fact, the UFC has a huge problem right now because there is a male, and this male is identified as a female, and he is now trying to fight female UFC fighters. And he fought one of the top, I believe it was five female UFC fighters, and she said it was the worst experience of her life. She says, I've been hit so many times that when this guy who says he's a girl hit me, I've never been hit like that in my life. And so even if you're a male who takes estrogen to, you know, get rid of some of your testosterone, the bottom is you have more muscle mass. The muscle mass that you have is more powerful. Your bone structure is stronger, all because of the years of testosterone that started when you were an embryo at five days old or however long in your mother's womb. And so there's, I always laugh at those shows because I'm like, yeah, well, the greatest equalizer for every female. Is what a handgun? (laughs) That's right. It's the Colt forty-five or or a nine-eleven. You know, if you have a gun, doesn't matter. You know, right. So I guess the point is, is that I'm trying to make is that when we have these expressions in our society that denigrate masculinity, it becomes toxic. Particularly to males. Now I'd like to say this, if you're a woman listening to this podcast, you need to know what my goal for you is. You know what my goal for you is I want you to be the best female. You can be, uh, the you that is you and what that you is meant to be. I want you to walk in the fullness of every good thing that God has for you in your life. I believe that there are obstacles and challenges you must face in order to live the fullness of your life. You got challenges and obstacles, just like guys do, but. Feminist theory and feminist ideology is built on a false premise. Therefore feminism and feminist ideology is a trap. It is not the path to fullness. It is feminist ideology that is seeking to eliminate maleness from our society. The most common phrase in feminist theory is the male patriarchy, right? This is the premise that. All the problems in the world that women face are because there is a overwhelming male patriarchy. Well, where did they get this thought from? They got it from the Frankfurt School of Social Theory. The connection is not just a correlation. It is causal, meaning it comes directly for that. All relationships are power structures. This is Marxist ideology, a hundred percent. This is where intersectionality that's Marxist ideology. 100% comes from about critical race theory. It's cousin is postmodern deconstructionism. So this happens over and over. And, this well, and is w-
1: I, I think that any, any style of, of ideology that says you can only be the best you by putting somebody else down or tearing someone else down. Inherently has flaws. And that's what yeah. we're seeing them. Yes. Well, we're, we're seeing the most of right yeah, now, right? Absolutely. Between whether it's, uh, uh, the racism issues or feminism issues or whatever, yes. they're all operating under this assumption that in order for you to be strong, you must tear down and make this other group small, right. which may or may not have happened to your demographic in the past. But that's not the way to fix it by just inverting it. Right? Like it's, yeah. it's not a, that's not a solution. That's just flipping roles, which you have said are bad. And so it's like, why would you encourage the opposite yeah. on the opposite thing? Just because it's your time to be strong. So it's like, they need yeah, to it's go through play. It's, yeah. all so power. it's all about power, right? Yeah. It's
0: all power. All relationships are power. And I don't think that, you know, there's any way to have a long lasting friendship or marriage or business partnership where the, your only basis for a relationship is power. Who has the power? Right. That just isn't the way human beings are wired. Mm. So, uh, um, Christina Hoff Summers has done extensive work on what you just said about it's called the war on boys culture in our public education system. And this, this feminist ideology is woven its way in through techniques and through structures and, uh, No one will stand up and say, well, we want to teach feminist ideology in schools. They don't say that. Right. Right. What they do though, is they structure everything to reinforce these underlying values. You see they're upstream. Is feminist ideology? They're downstream as public educational techniques that are based on research studies that are paid for and designed with people with feminist Marxist ideologies, and so it just feeds itself. And Christina Hoff Sommers says boys are incredibly wounded by this. As a matter of fact, about I think it was probably eight years ago, I was talking to a young couple, and they had a teacher here in the Boise school district in the elementary school who said, your boy is just too hard to handle for me. And we, I want him to go be checked out by a psychologist. Well, why is he saying bad things? No, is he, does he not listen to you when you give him command? No. Well, what's wrong? He won't sit still in class. and my So he's disrupting my class and he goes, well, why would he do that? Well, I think he has ADHD and he needs to be on Ritalin. And they said, we're not putting our son, who's a boy, on Ritalin, you know, so he'll sit still in class. We're not going to do that. And she replied, the teacher said this, well, if he's going to be in my class, he's going to be on Ritalin.
1: So she was demanding that he be yeah. on a prescription drug <laughs> to, Yeah. So she receive an education. Yeah. See,
0: that's control. And, and that's where this ideology leads to is that these boys, just because they can't sit still, well, what she wants is she wants a class of perfect angels that sit there and don't move. That is dehumanizing. That is control. You want sheep. You don't want kids to grow up and learn how to think for themselves. You don't want them to be courageous. You don't want them to have strong character. You don't want them to be virtuous. You wanna control them. And so now, does that mean all teachers are bad? No, but I'll tell you what, A lot of teachers in elementary school think that way because the nomenclature of the elementary school is in order to have a really good class, what we have to do is we have to have absolute peace and control. I go, well, I'll tell you what, that is not good for boys, especially when you eliminate PE, you eliminate playground time, you eliminate games, you eliminate sports, you eliminate all these things. They're
1: seeing these, you know, drastic increases in,
0: uh, you know,
1: energy in these kids and they can't figure out why, but they're eliminating all the physical activity out of their lives. And so they're like, why won't you sit still? You know, you had your three and a half minutes of (laughs) playtime. Why can't you just sit still for eight hours? For eight hours.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that that's really important to understand if you're a young man today, right now, who is dealing with anxiety or you're dealing with depression, a lack of ambition. Maybe you are addicted to pornography. Maybe you have an inability to build a, a loving relationship with a girl. Maybe you're fearful of commitment that you can't get a job and stick with it or go to school and finish the course. I, I don't know, whatever it is that maybe you as a young man are dealing with, I would like you to consider the fact that it's not all your fault. You get these tendencies, honestly. And you get them from a culture that is trying to remove the masculinity from your maleness and to convince you that anything masculine is toxic when it's not. But I am here as your salty pastor to tell you this is your wake-up call. I'm the voice crying in the wilderness for you. I will blast the trumpet as clearly as I can and I say, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead. You were created by God to be a male. That means you're a man. Now get up, go, discover your masculine soul. Go Be the man that God is calling you to be. You need to fight for it because your culture has zero answers for you on what it means to be a man. Don't listen to them, don't buy into the deception from them. Embrace truth, and that begins with knowing God and being at peace with Him so you can be at peace with yourself because only then and then only will you fight for your soul in a way that brings victory.
1: So as we wrap up, we've got just a minute or two left, but, uh, in our outline that we kind of put together of what we wanted to cover today, you had a couple key points. So, um, if let's say there's a guy that's struggling with these things and he's, you know, expected to challenge to go and, and be a man. You, you just told us go and be a man, go
0: become a man.
1: What are some practical steps that he could take to get started? Or if he's already on the journey, how could he go further in this call to action you've given us as men?
0: Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians four, he says, look, you learn to live one way. Okay. And he said, this is the Gentile way. He says, you were, you've been taught, you know, your whole culture has lived this way. And so what I'm going to tell you is you need to learn a new way to live. He says so that you can be made new in the attitude of your mind. So if you want to win the battle, if you want to go out and be the man you're called to be, then you need to live for something bigger than yourself. I'm not saying go out and, and throw trash cans around and protest or burn things down. What I'm saying is you need to find the noblest of causes, find the greatest virtues, the most righteous mission. And that is Jesus and his kingdom. You find that then what's going to happen is you're going to be able to stand up straight, put your chin up and your shoulders back and face this chaotic, deceptive, weird, broken world. And the very first thing you're going to need to do to start this journey is Paul says, right after he says this new attitude of the mind, you must put away falsehoods. Mm. And so what we have to do is put away falsehoods, John Eldridge in his, uh, Book uh, "Wild at Heart" and then he, "Beautiful Outlaw," and he has a bunch of others. He he does a boot camp that we use this curriculum every year at Foothills for all the men, and we try to go up in the mountains, and we go through this curriculum. And one of his most important work in that weekend is he talks about agreements, mm-hmm. and an agreement is something that happened to you as a boy, right? Somebody says something. And what they say means, well, you'll never be a man. You don't measure up. You're not enough. We don't respect you. And for some reason we agree with that. And then we carry that agreement and that agreement is what stops us. And that's a falsehood that we have to dispense with. So this is one of the falsehoods that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter four. He says, lay aside all falsehoods. So this is one of those falsehoods that you have to lay aside. So we're going to do more work on this. We don't have time to really go into it that deep. I'm going to be preaching on it this Sunday, and I'm just basically going to break every rule of preaching guys. So I want you to be there because we're going to talk about how not to be that guy,
1: not to be that guy. And then next week we're talking about how not to be that gal. So yeah. ladies, if you're like, man, he's really harping on the guys, but I'm learning some stuff about guys. The, the We're flipping the the script next week. And we're going to be talking about gals. So thank you guys so much for joining us. We really appreciate your, um, tuning in every week to learn more, to dive deeper into your faith and your way of thinking and to really challenge yourself to understand what you believe and what you know. So thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you here on Sunday in beautiful Boise,
0: Idaho. Blessings.